When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and I answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where today we're going to look at the feast day of St. Peter and Paul, St. Saint Pe- Peter and Paul, I think that's the sergeant's major, attorney's general. All right, I'm glad you're here. Reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to proclaim it to them step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, By no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen angel, seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your whole household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced, and they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The relationship between Peter and Paul, colleagues, frenemies, sometimes antagonists of each other, sometimes colleagues and friends and fellow laborers in the vineyard of God. Their relationship was complex. Peter, having been there from the very beginning of Jesus's ministry, he's one of the fishermen that are called from his fishing net, and he's married, Peter's married, and we know from Paul's letters that Peter and his, and his wife, who is unnamed, travels with him as an apostle around to different churches, and centered in Jerusalem and eventually to Rome. 
So they span a quite quite a distance, this early church couple, Peter and his wife. And there's Paul, who has a very different origin story. Um, he may be younger or older, hard to say, than Peter. But he comes through the rabbinical schools and academies of Jerusalem. He is very zealous for the faith. He sees the early Christian movement as a dangerous thing for his faith and goes about persecuting early Christians. He is complicit in the death of Stephen the martyr. In the stoning, he holds the coats of those who throw the stones. He's part of that. He joins a prosecution team and an extradition team to go and uh, find Christians in other cities. And on the way to one of those cities, Damascus, he hears Jesus speak to him. Blinding light flashes in front of him. Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus says to him. And he becomes a Christian in his blindness. He has to start over in many ways. He becomes an apostle born out of due time, as he himself says. And you can see in these texts that we read the big controversy between Paul and Peter is about new Christians. What should the requirements be for new Christians? The amazing thing is, is that there are new Christians. Christianity has very little to offer in the way of power, prestige, connections. In fact, it actually would have the opposite effect on most people that joined it. They would lose friendships and lose family members and a number of other consequences of becoming a Christian in that time period. But there are new Christians coming in, and this controversy between the circumcised and the uncircumcised, the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians, becomes a really heated argument and debate. Um, Acts chapter 11, the first lesson, um, says that when Peter went to Jerusalem, the circumcised Christian believers, these are Christians who are Jewish in origin, criticized him saying, why did you go to the uncircumcised men, Gentiles, and eat with them? Peter is um, over there at one part of the church with the Jewish Christians eating kosher. And then he goes to the Gentile Christians and eats a ham sandwich over there. Bacon, the, all the works, seafood. Um, and this um, kind of different approach that he's taking with one group and the other group opens himself up to the accusation of violating the law of God and of um, even duplicity and lying to the Jewish Christians. But Peter explains why he's doing this. He had a vision where God told him that what God has made clean, you must not call profane. Paul seems to accept this right away when he starts meeting Gentiles who are becoming Christians. And for Paul, whatever he can do to facilitate their getting to know Jesus, he'll do it. He's very practical when it comes to church planting. Whereas Peter 
still has objections. Um, this may reflect perhaps their place of origin. Peter is a Galilean, um, known for their tenacity and traditional ways and stubbornness. Paul is more cosmopolitan. He is from Tarsus, which more than likely is what we would call Spain today. He has traveled far. He is a man of the world. He um, is easily goes back and forth between Jewish and Gentile society, as he probably did since his childhood, living as a Hellenistic Jewish person in the Roman Empire. He is a Roman citizen, Paul is. Peter is not. Um, and so Peter, it's harder for him to accept uh, what God is doing as Gentiles are becoming Christians. And so he needs a specific vision to tell him to that it's okay to change for the laws to change on what he is supposed to eat and not eat. But there's this other thing that God tells him. He says, you know, I've been pure. Nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. Um, and then God says, with a voice says, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. And this becomes a guiding principle for Peter's ministry from here on out, and for our ministry too as the church, that what God has called clean, let us not call unclean. When it came to including uh, and changing our rules about who could be ordained and who could be uh, leaders in the church and who could get married in the church and other things, when it came to the women's ordination, um, who should we, how could we call someone not accepted when God has already accepted them. Same for LGBTQ inclusion in the church. Who are we to call unclean whom God has already called clean? The recognition of the Holy Spirit in the LGBTQ community and in LGBTQ people in the church was why the Episcopal Church changed these laws that were prohibiting their participation and involvement. Um, it was a recognition of God's already declaring them as part of the church. And so it is with the Gentiles. These people who are considered unclean to Peter, God had said they were clean. Um, because ultimately, we are all reconciled through Jesus Christ. Now, once that event happens, and that global event for all humanity happens, um, who, uh, who, how could any one of us say that someone is not worthy of God's grace? How could we say that someone is not worthy of God's love? And so this, this vision that Peter has changes everything about his life. Um, and the vision also says, or this angel, um, tells him to go to Joppa and bring Simon Peter to give them a message. So the Holy Spirit is falling on people um, there, and Peter is part of it. Um, these six brothers that show up, and um, three men who come from Caesarea, and th these Gentiles who are coming to the faith are a recognition of where God is working in the world. And then the Galatians reading, where Paul, in his very, very pointed letter to the Galatian church, um, lays it all out in the line, his, his fight between Peter and himself. Um, 
and all the things that happened in private meetings, um, in public meetings, in public controversies. Titus, um, Titus, who is then waylaid by these false believers. Um, Paul opens up the idea that there can be false believers in the church. Um, and he makes a distinction between people that disagree with him and false believers. Um, false believers, um, for Paul in this context, are people who are trying to exert power and control over other people um, through other means than the good news of Jesus Christ. The only power that, that we have is love. The only power that we have is God's love that flows through us. Um, every other attempt at controlling another person is always going to result in coercion and a false kind of belief. So these false believers are coming into this Galatian church secretly. They're slipping in to spy on the freedom they have in Christ so that they may enslave us. Don't submit to them even for a moment. The issue for these false believers is that every Christian must keep the law of Moses as Jewish people were keeping in the time of Jesus. Um, the law of Moses was not a bad thing to keep, and it still isn't today. Um, all these things are, are things that Christians can disagree on or, or do personally, and it's not a problem to do it personally. And Christians then could keep the law of Moses just fine. Um, there was no, nothing wrong with that. It was a perfectly good thing. Um, to keep the kosher rules and other things, household codes of the Old Testament. But on this one point of enforcing it on other people, this was a sign of something really awful at work in the church that Paul is trying to guard these Galatian Gentile Christians from. The assimilation into the Jerusalem Jewish Christian movement that demanded that everyone, a Gentile who converted to Christianity, had to keep the Jewish laws. And looking back 2,000 years later, we can see a lot of stuff that um, we might read into this. But in that time, uh, the Judaism of Paul and Barnabas and, and even Titus to some degree, and Peter especially, is the norm for Christians. The exception are Gentiles. And they are becoming um, a problem for these Jewish Christians. And so some of them are just fl flowing with the Spirit. And they're saying, well, God's accepted them. I'll accept them too. That's always the proper response. Or they do the Gamaliel, wait and see. Um, wait and see what happens. If it's of God, it'll flourish. If it's not, it'll fizzle. But I'm not going to try to coerce anybody to see things my way. And then there's this attack on these new Christians that Paul sees happening. Um, that even these Greek guys like Titus are having circumcision and other things forced upon them and demanded of them to be a real Christian. Um, this is antithetical to the good news in Jesus Christ. Um, so what happens is they part ways, Peter and Paul part ways. Peter stays with those who are keeping the old faith that they have they inherited from their parents and ancestors. And Pete and Paul 
starts to exclusively work with Gentile Christians, even though that's not exclusively true, 100%. Um, he certainly focuses on those churches that are in the Gentile world, the non-Jewish world. But they recognized the grace that had been given to them, and they gave them the right hand of fellowship. Um, and this, this uh, emphasis on different groups, reaching different groups, came out of their own experience, their own passion, their own heart. And so the church is preserved through, through this division. Um, again, Paul is not saying that Peter is a false teacher. He knows he's got a good heart. He knows he's a follower of Jesus. But, they, but in order to meet the demands of these weak Christians, the weak Christians who are trying to coerce other people to see everything their way, um, ultimately, this project has to be split into two. And so, um, for today, we thank God for the, the events of church history that may seem a little petty to us now. And why couldn't they just figure it out? Why did they argue about this stuff? Um, well, why do we argue about the stuff we argue about? Um, there's always layers and layers of human experience on all of it that we can't always know what it is. Someday we'll look back and say, why did I get so worked up over that one thing? Why was that such a big deal for me then? It doesn't seem to matter much anymore. Um, hopefully we all can learn how to let go of those things that God has not called us to, but we feel um, a, a desire to enforce on others. Because God, in the spirit of God, there is freedom. Perfect love casts out fear that the gospel of God is good news to people who are the farthest from faith and not just to those of us who are inside the nest already. Amen. Almighty God, whose blessed apostles Peter and Paul glorified you by their martyrdom, grant that your church, instructed by their teaching and example, and knit together in unity by your Spirit, may ever stand firm upon the one foundation, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And we are reminded that both Peter and Paul die martyrs' deaths. Um, they bear witness to Jesus in their death, um, likely under the persecution of Nero. Nero is famous for fiddling while Rome burned, uh, likely playing a lute or some kind of lyre, but um, not fiddling with a violin, but um, not known for his, um, his graciousness. He blamed the fires of Rome on the early Christians, and that resulted in one of the worst and first persecutions by a Roman government on Christians, in which Likely, according to church tradition, both Peter and Paul were executed. The story, the legendary story that's not in the Bible for Peter is that um, he is fleeing the city as Nero is blaming Christians for the death, for the, for the fires. Peter flees from the city with other Christians uh, so that they won't be arrested and persecuted. And while he's fleeing the city, he meets Jesus in the road. And Peter says, where are you going, Jesus? 
And Jesus says, I'm going into Rome to be crucified again. And Peter turns around and goes back to Rome where he is crucified. According to church tradition, he doesn't feel worthy to be crucified the way Jesus was. So they crucify him upside down. Uh, The St. Peter's cross is an upside down cross. St. Paul's martyrdom. We know he appeals to Caesar. He goes to Rome where he's under house arrest for a number of years. Um, And perhaps in the Neronian persecution under Nero, he is beheaded um, for being a Christian. Paul is a Roman citizen and Roman citizens were not allowed to be crucified. Only Jews and slaves and non-Romans were eligible for crucifixion. Um, Paul is Jewish. There were many Jewish Roman citizens at that time. And as a Roman citizen, which he claims a number of times, um, he is he is uh, not subject to crucifixion, but beheading, which is considerably more merciful or quicker, at least. So we thank God for these martyrs.